Welcome to my MACD life and powered by the Support Sight Foundation. This podcast is about macular degeneration and the devastating impact it has on millions of people and their families every single day, 365 days a year. Our mission is simple, to bring hope, optimism, perspective, and education to our listeners. So tune in, buckle up, and put your listening ears on. Here are your hosts, Don Prawl and Sean Doyle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to my MACD Life. I'm your co-host, Sean Doyle, professional speaker, trainer, and book author. And I'm here today with my co-host, the lovely and talented, the amazing, the incredible, the irreplaceable, Don Prawl, the founder and executive director of the Support Site Foundation and a visionary. Hey, Don. Hey, Sean. Hi, everyone. We're happy you've joined us. We're excited to bring you some great information, education, and inspiration. We really want to make a difference in the life of people who are suffering with MACD, and we call it My MACD Life. And Don, one other thing. What's that, Sean? We're We're going going to to have fun. Hey, folks, as I say every single time, I'm always so excited about every guest, special guest we have on, on the show. And today in particular, we've got Sue Labar. And please stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss this. Sue has macular degeneration. She's living life with it, and she's living life large with it. She was diagnosed with it uh, five years ago or so. And the reason I really wanted to talk with her and bring her on the show is because she breaks it down in a very different way and that's because she's uh, a trained trained in mental a mental health professional she has it herself and she has the best sense of humor she's funny and but she's real and she's she's going to share some things with you that i just know are going to be helpful and it's from a very different perspective and that's what we do on the show we bring lots of perspective in so we can help you stay tuned Support for today's My MACD Life podcast comes from Healthy Vision Association, Novartis, Despero, Centric Bank, and Hinkelstein and Associates. Welcome to the show. We're so excited to have our guest here today, Sue Labar Yoey. Sue, welcome to My MACD Life. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And Sue has quite the background. She's a graduate of East Stroudsburg State College with a degree in psychology. She has a master's in educational psychology and certificates in school psychologist and elementary guidance counselor and has spent 38 years in the field of psychology, which I found really interesting. But Actually, that's more like 42. <laughs> 40, how time flies, doesn't it? Oh, when you're having fun. That's right. And Sue is the founder of MyMacularJournal.com. And also writes for MacularDegeneration.net. So, Sue, welcome. We're so excited to have you have you here with us today. Thank you. I'm actually the co-founder. I did the easy work of going blind. <laughs> um, my friend, my friend Linda Moore, did all of the rest of it. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So you're she's... the co-founder with Linda Moore. Right. Great. Well, we'll give credit where credits due. So definitely. Yeah, a lot of things really struck me about you reading a lot of your work. You're writing is really poignant. And to me, it really packs a punch. So my first question, I'm really curious about what led you to start writing about your journey with 
age-related macular degeneration? Well, as a psychologist, one of the most powerful things you can do is journal or tell your story. So when I started to, well, actually, it wasn't a matter of started. When my second eye just went practically overnight, it seemed to me, I needed a way to express myself. And I said to Lynn, you know, how about we do a blog? Because I'd like to write about this. And that's essentially why I started. I started out more as a psychologist heal thyself thing. Okay. Yeah, so it was really for you at first. Oh, it was for me. And, you know, if you get a little extra benefit for somebody else, you know, that's great too. And was there a point for you where it seemed to transition from your own journey, just writing about it for yourself to helping others? Was was there kind of a, a tipping point there for you? I can't actually tell you where the tipping point is, was, but I know that there came a time that what I was writing about was actually not relevant to a lot of the people that Lynn has in her Facebook group. I guess that maybe was the point that I realized, I don't know, I guess I had grown beyond where people were when they started out. So yes, I was trying to write for others and give them hope, but sometimes it was a matter of, well, who are you to say? You're way above, you know, you're way beyond us. And then when did you launch the the MyMacularJournal.com site? That was pretty much right after, like I said, I had had my second eye go, and that was in the end of January in 2016. And I started writing. It just grew from there. Like I said, Lynn had great ideas for it. Wow. So it's really a partnership between you yes. and Linda. She had great ideas. You had the passion. You had the experience, the background, mm-hmm. and off you went. Yeah, I was the one that was going blind, so, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So if, if you don't mind, why don't you tell listeners your story? Tell us about how you arrived at this place with this journey with MACD. Back in 2015, I was driving down the street, and, you know, summer, all the windows are open. I'm not an air conditioning person, and something flew into my right eye. So when I went to close my eye and dig whatever it was, you know, wipe whatever it was out of my eye, the car in front of me disappeared. Oh, that's scary. That was like, oh, crap. So, you know, I called Geisinger. There's a plug for the hospital. But I called and they said, come in right away, come in right away. And I'm thinking, you know, okay, so I have a little blind spot, nothing big. But then he told me it was macular degeneration and I was losing my vision and that it would be very, very slow and, you know, essentially no worries. But then in January, I was skiing and I came home, drove myself to the slopes, skied all day, drove myself home, came home and woke up the next morning and I had lost a lot of sight. You know, you're, you're told that macular degeneration is a very slow process that it doesn't, it takes forever and all that. And I don't know why mine was practically overnight, but, you know, they said potentially it was because some of my blind spots had actually grown together. So from there, it was, you know, it was a little bit of a rough patch for a while. I'm sure. I had to, you know, I could no longer drive. I haven't driven in five years. You know, I don't intend to kill anybody because of my selfishness. So like I said, it, it, was, it was rough for a while. I had to take leave from work. But because I am a psychologist and because, you know, not the job that I have now, but my original job was as a school psychologist, 
which is working with people with special needs, I had a really good idea of where to go. So I called Bureau of Blindness and Visual Services and said, I need help. I need help now. I'm going to drive you insane until you give me help. So he gave me a few assignments and Alan Curtis and I worked very well together and he has since retired, but he's a great guy. So, you know, but I, I got the information I needed. I got the materials I needed. I went back to work. That's basically it. I mean, there was a lot of times in there, you know, was there the time that I was waking up four and five times a night with panic attacks? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Understandably, you lose your central vision. That's what happens, right? Yeah. I mean, that got solved with good drugs. So one of the quotes that really struck me on your site is about the bear hunt. And I, was, I would really love for you to clarify what this means because I was just really taken back by this quote. And, and I'll quote and then you can comment on it. Oh, I know what it is. I, it's, you know, we're going on a bear hunt. Can't go over it. Can't go under it. Got to go through it. Yeah. And what, what does that mean in your, in your perspective? You, you don't spend a lot of time in preschool, do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, part of my job when I was working as a school psychologist was to go to preschools and evaluate children who were coming into schools, kids with special needs. And that, going on a bear hunt is a standard in preschools. Basically, it's going on a bear hunt. I've got my binoculars. I've got this. I've got that. And all the kids are say, you know, saying it in, you know, in chorus. And you go through the woods and you go through the, the river and you go through whatever, but it's, it's a river. Can't go over it. Can't go under it. Got to go through it. And eventually they come to the cave and, oh, it's a cave. Can't go over it. Can't go under it. Got to go through it. So you walk into the cave and you find the bear and, you know, the kid's like, oh, and then they turn around and they run and they go, they splash across the river and they go through the weeds and they get home and, age-related macular degeneration. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. You got to go through it. I think that's a very refreshing perspective because I think a lot of times when people face adversity, they want to avoid it or sweep it under the rug or make it go away. And I, I really like your perspective. In, in your opinion, what do you think is the biggest challenge that people face with MACD? I, th well, I think you just hit upon it. I think it's acceptance. Yeah, I mean, if you look at what I wrote, you know that I am a practitioner of dialectic behavioral therapy. Yes. And dialectic behavioral therapy is very big on reality. You know, like, okay, this is the situation that you're in. You're not in a situation that you want to be in. You're not in the situation that you should be in. But this is the situation that you're in. And what are you going to do about it? And I, I, that really comes through in all of your writing, that statement of, here's where I am. Here's yeah. what I have to accept. Yeah. Now, what do we do? Now, what do we do? Yeah. Yeah. Like, how can I solve this problem with the situation that I'm in and the resources that I have? And you may not solve the problem, but you may cope with the problem. You may tolerate the problem. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And somehow that's, sometimes that's what you do. You tolerate. Right. You do the best with what you got. 
I always hear this term often, you know, when people are in grief, they'll use the term, you know, the new normal. Is that kind of analogous to what you're talking about, the new normal? Yeah, the new normal. Yeah. I mean, people have been doing it, you know, not to bring up the big topic, but COVID, this is the new normal right now. And people are struggling with accepting it. For a long time. For a long time. Yeah. Thank God we have Zoom. Yes, absolutely. And all the technology we have. Imagine years ago, if we didn't have the technology. You know, you make do with what you got. Exactly. So for our listeners, what advice do you have for listeners who are newly diagnosed with MACD from where you sit? I think you have to come back to the acceptance. Okay. You know, like this is where you are. You need to make the best of what you have and the situation that you're in. And also, it is not as bad as you think it's going to be. Mm. No, I mean, seriously. You go, hmm. But, you know, and this, these are not the words, but this was the attitude that I sort of encountered some places. You've got macular degeneration. It's dry. There's no treatment. There's no cure. You're going blind. Copay, please. That's, that's stunning. <laughs> it's like part of the reason I think it's because they feel horrible that they can do nothing about it because doctors are healers. Yeah. And when they come up on a problem that they don't know what they're going to do with it, they're almost embarrassed. You know, like, I can't do anything about this for you. So, so next. I'm just in a, yep. So next, yep. you know, maybe the next person I can do something for them. But it's not that bad. I mean, it has been five years. I still work. I see clients 28 hours a week. I can't drive, but I can get transportation. I can ride a bicycle. I've got applications that read to me. I get free, I get free books. There's, Bart is there's great. A plus. <laughs> That's a plus. The benefit is you get free books. The benefit is you can get free books. <laughs> Bart is great. <laughs> My first CCTV, uh, you know, I got from Blindness and Visual Services, Bureau of Blindness and Visual Services of Pennsylvania. It's great as long as you're ready to go back to work. I mean, they broke their backs for me. I've heard people that say, oh, we didn't get anything. Well, they're retired. They don't want to go back to work. Blindness and Visual Services is part of OVR, which is part of labor and industry. Mm. And they're going to put their money where you can go back to work and pay your taxes. Cynical, but true. Yeah, a fact. You know, so if you can hang out, you know, at least hang in there and keep working, you're going to get more. I still ride my bike. This afternoon, uh, one of the farmers around here stopped me the other day and goes, you know, you can cross-country ski over my fields if you want to. So I'll probably go skiing this afternoon. I mean, I walk my dogs every day. You know, so life is not over. That's a very encouraging message. So... What I'm hearing you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, is obviously acceptance, but it's also part of it counting what you do have, your blessings. Oh, of course. I mean, my optometrist, when she first told me I'd have to stop driving and that, you know, yeah, this is only going to get worse, girl. I said, well, how am I going to get anywhere? She goes, ask. I said, I don't want to be a burden. And she says, oh, God, no, you're not going to be a burden. One of the things that makes people happy is doing for others. It's so true. You know, basically what she said to me is, why do you want to deprive people of the opportunity to feel good about themselves? Mm. You know, you ask, you know, we've had conversations that people don't want to let anybody else know 
that they're visually handicapped. I mean, sometimes it's the, almost the first thing that comes out of my, of my mouth because it's, I'm sorry, I can't see your face. I don't know who you are. Please identify yourself. You know, I don't want to snub people. Is there a stigma perhaps around being visually disabled that people don't want to admit that they have that stigma or that label? You know, look in the Bible, look in Greco-Roman history, look at the stories. What did they do when somebody sinned? But God struck them blind. Yes. Blindness has a stigma attached to it. You know, and you think, you think, oh, we're so much farther along now. No, we're not. Blindness has a stigma attached. And people think it makes them weak and useless and they can't do anything. I like chaos in my life. I, you know, like I keep telling myself at 67, having retired from one job, that I'm going to slow down. It hasn't happened. It really hasn't happened. Well, I, I love the message of acceptance. I love the message of asking. I love the message of helping people help you because it helps them feel good about themselves. That's a great message. So what advice do you have for listeners who have you know, the family members or the friends of people who are suffering with MACD? What advice do you have for them, the supporters of people that are suffering from MACD? Essentially, help them be themselves. I started exercising at 25. That's... You know, that's my outlet. That's what I do. I needed help getting to the gym so I could be me. You know, if I need help to get someplace to be me, take me. If I need help making arrangements to go on vacation, which is also part of me if a stupid COVID ever gets gone, you know, help me. Help me be me. Because people think that they're giving up their lives. They're giving up their identity. But you're not. You just get it in a different way. You just you know, like work differently to try to get who you are. I think that makes an abundant amount of sense. You know, and sometimes it's a pain in the tush to people around you. And, you know, you got to be aware of that too. You got to not lean on the same people all the time. I also noticed in a lot of your writing, a particular through line of humor, you're funny. I mean, <laughs> I've had people tell me that and I really don't necessarily see it. <laughs> Well, when you said you wanted to be the best lab rat for Will's Eye ever, like the best, 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 best ever lab rat, I mean, that's funny stuff. Yeah. Okay. If you say so, but it's the <laughs> truth. I want to be the best lab. They don't realize they've got me for life. <laughs> right now I'm in the APL2 and it is looking pretty promising. Fantastic. They are looking, when you look at the research, they won't tell you at, because of all the secrets, you know, double blind and all that. They won't tell you what's happening. But the research says they're getting about a 40% deduction decrease in the rate of the going blind, you know, the rate of the progression of the disease. So instead of going blind at 100 miles an hour, I'm going blind at 60 miles an hour. And I will take it. That's encouraging. <laughs> you know, they are, this spring, they're moving me over to what I've always called a longitudinal study. They're calling a long-term study. Same difference. But why would they be moving us over to a study that sees how people react long-term on a drug if the drug wasn't working? Now, that's so very encouraging. I'm, I'm getting moved over to a three-year and 
they don't know it yet, but I've also I've invented my own study, the next one, which is how do people who are with APL2 treatments respond to stem cell RPE treatments? So, okay, so for our listeners that are the layperson, because you obviously do a lot of research and study, yes. what, what, what is an APL, just so people know what it is? Basically, they should put a shot in your eye. Okay. But don't worry, you are very, very, very numbed. So don't feel it. Don't feel it. At least I don't feel it. And what it's doing, it is sl- it is taking a piece, a domino out of the complementary system. Okay. The more and more that they look, um, macular degeneration is actually an autoimmune problem. It's your body attacking yourself. And that's part of what they call the complement immune system. And the complement immune system is ancient. It is in all sorts of animals going all the way down to like lizards and everything. But it is a long series of, it's a chain reaction, long series of dominoes. And what they're doing is they're knocking out a domino in the middle to slow down the chain reaction. Thank you for doing that for me and for our listeners, Okay, because I can understand the domino analogy and the pieces. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So they're trying to knock out a piece in the middle to slow down the system that is attacking itself. You know, it's autoimmune. And so I say that you're funny, but you don't seem to realize that you're funny. No. So my question <laughs> is, uh, is the humor deliberate for you as far as your writing to help people? Or is that just a side effect of your writing? That's a side effect. That's me. You know, that's me, but I don't see it as being humorous. I laughed often reading several of your, well, your, your blogs. I was like, that's funny. It's funny, funny stuff. Good. I'm glad. I just wondered if that humor might be helpful for people who are suffering from this condition. I mean, humor is a coping mechanism. Yeah. And we're back to I as a psychologist. Yes. So, you know, like, yeah, if you can laugh, that's a, life is actually the funniest thing that's ever going to happen to you. I often say truth is much stranger than fiction will ever be. And the disasters make the best stories. (laughs) I mean, nobody ever tells a story about when things went right. That's right. You know, you just enjoy what, you know, try to enjoy what happens to you and see the humor. Well, Sue, thank you so much. You're a delight. Uh, you're bringing lots of hope and optimism for people all across the world suffering from MACD. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Okay. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. This program is empowered by the Support Site Foundation. The Support Site Foundation mission is to save sight for millions of people who suffer from age-related macular degeneration, AMD. 
and lose their precious vision. As a 501c3 public charity, our goal is to provide patient education and access to low vision resources to help individuals, families, and caregivers whose lives are severely impacted by AMD. We place a high priority on connecting with people, their families, and loved ones who live with the daily struggle of impaired vision. The Support Sight Foundation funds innovative research projects conducted by the top scientists in the field who are on a path to discover effective new tools, technology, and treatments for people like you with vision loss. The Support Sight Foundation, supportsight.org, S-U-P-P-O-R-T-S-I-G-H-T.org, or call us at 888-681-8773 and connect with us on social media. Thank you. Hi, this is Dawn Prawl, and I'm here with one of our board members on the Support Site Foundation. And I'd like to introduce uh, Christopher Strom. Today, we're going to have a conversation with each other about why are we doing this. Hi, Chris. Hi, nice to see you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today. You and I know each other as executive director of the Support Site Foundation, which, by the way, the My MacD Life podcast is empowered by the Support Site Foundation, and your board member, we've had many conversations about the wonderful, important work that the Support Site Foundation is doing to help people all over the country, if not the world, cope with living with macular degeneration. Today, I want to just pick your brain, talk to you a little bit about where you see the organization going, what role we play, and kind of the bigger picture about, as a board member, about the disease. Why don't we start with the bigger picture? You know, when I think about what role support site plays and what we can play and where I think the biggest need is, you know, certainly there's the need for research. Certainly there's the need for funding therapies. But to my mind, some of the most valuable work that Support Site does is integrating the knowledge to help people through the journey. And anybody who's had a diagnosis or gone through any sort of medical diagnosis and, and of any consequence that, that requires long-term treatment, I think knows that the hardest part is the lack of information and the the isolation that comes with not knowing what's next and how to move forward. And I think the work that Support Site does around education and around connecting people to other individuals who've navig- who are navigating the journey and have navigated parts of it, I think is enormously beneficial. And it, it's so easy to think about treating the disease, but I feel like Support Site really goes a long way towards, you know, kind of caring for the people. And you touch on something that that really sets us apart. Um, and that is the relationships that we have, the, the resources that we can share and provide patients, uh, as we call them, people suffering with macular degeneration, and also their caregivers. I mean, you and I have talked over the last, you know, even just recently about the impact that losing your sight has on the entire family. From your perspective, 
knowing that healthcare is the first thing on people's minds, no matter really what age, but particularly when you're older and you're dealing with other potentially other chronic conditions, as you mentioned, and then on top of it, you find out that you're losing your vision. What would you say to family members and caregivers in terms of how you see their role? It's tricky. So I've, you know, I've been a caregiver with somebody who's gone through something chronic. And I think the, the lesson that you take away and that, that I, the first thing I say to caregivers is, you know, you need to have compassion for yourself in this and you need to take care of yourself. And I know that sounds, it sounds cliche, but you really can't be an effective partner or support for someone if you're if you're running yourself out, if you're running low, and if you're not taking care of yourself and not dealing with the difficulty of having a loved one who's suffering in some way, or maybe suffering, or maybe is afraid, you know, you carry those emotions with them. And if you, you know, want to be a good partner, if you want to help them and be the partner that you want to be, then you need to kind of take care of yourself as well as part of that. That needs to be a part of it. That, that's the first thing. But then, you know, you have to also, I think for me, I also had to learn compassion for the person going through it, whatever they're going through. You know, that's not a, it's not easy. You haven't done it probably. They haven't done it before. So there's a a lot that's there. And as soon as you find compassion for the experience, it's actually easier for everybody because then you recognize that, you know, there's a lot of feelings that, that are new. And that you can deal with together. You know, I don't mean to sound Pollyanna, but that's 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 how you get through the difficult. That's how you get through the difficult stuff. You know, one of the things we I noticed that you said here is you refer to them to people as patients, and I think that's true. They're certainly patients, but you know, you know, most of the people that we talk to aren't really suffering with MACD, right? And I think that you know, the, a lot of the medical language is about endurance and about suffering and it's i'm not saying that it's a happy diagnosis or that it's an easy experience but you know a lot of the people that we talk to are you know are really finding ways that you thrive with it it's just you know it's a change in your existence in your life and you have to take care of it and it's scary but it's also it's also just another step in the journey in some sense well you make a really good point um First of all, the compassion you refer to is also empathy, which is a pretty hot topic mm-hmm. these days. Um, and I believe something that you know we all can agree that um, we all need to work on as human beings in every situation. It's certainly a theme, and it definitely applies to uh, this situation and, and losing your vision and being diagnosed with macular degeneration. Um, but also, I love that you're helping to tran- transition the conversation to um, exactly what the Support Site Foundation, I believe, does particularly well, and that is to give people hope, to to be optimistic. Uh, again, not in a, uh, as you say, Pollyanna way, but in a real way to lift people up and because you're right, it's it's a journey, whether they have been on the journey for 10 years or recently diagnosed um, and or are, you know, getting the injections every four weeks from their retina doc. 
whom they probably see more often than their family members, particularly right now with COVID, right? Right, right. Um, So, yeah, it's interesting that, uh, not interesting, I shouldn't say that, but it's very important that you bring that up because there are lots of things that people can learn and integrate into their life to help them on the journey. You know, how you set up your kitchen, how you, whether you're, if you're still want to see your grandkids, how you can, you know, see the pictures with assistive technology, mm-hmm. all the tools, all the ways you have to adjust. What do you think about, about all of that? You know, I think there's a world of support and being able to, I mean, that's of course our name, but I think there's a world of support for people with macular degeneration and, and it's hard to find. It's hard to know about. And I think the ability to bring that closer to people is a big deal. I, I think the other thing that people with MACD have to recognize is that they deserve it. They deserve the support. Go get the support, right? It's not a fail. You're not, it's, it's not a failure that you, that you have the disease. It's not, you didn't earn it, right? You deserve the support. Get what you can. It's out there. People want to help. And I think, you know, it's really easy. It's really easy to forget that and to forget that, yeah, you deserve to be able to, you know, there's assistive technology to help you read and to see the photos or to, and to get through your day. And someone can help you set up your kitchen so that it makes, you know, so that it's a little bit easier to navigate. All of that stuff is available and people would be thrilled to help. It's, you know, most, I think most people would get back D have had the experience in their life of helping someone else. And it's gratifying. It's unusual to necessarily recognize that we it's our turn, right? It's our turn to, to, in this moment, there are other ways that we can still help each other, but in this moment, it's our turn to be helped. And that's great. That's the way it should be, you know? Wow, that's really powerful. Thank you, Chris. We all have choices, especially now uh, with what's going on in the world with the pandemic, we all have decisions and choices to make with our time and time is precious and resources are are precious. But kind of the proverbial question as a board member is why the Support Site Foundation and what's your takeaway as a volunteer, as a leader in helping us to expand the organization and do our best work? What I hope for the Support Site Foundation is that we can really grow the platform and connect with more people and certainly continue to fund research, certainly continue to look for better therapies or, you know, cures, but better interventions, we'll call them, but really about connecting more people. I think that those twin goals are essential. And I think the the effort to expand our reach is really critical. And I think, I can, you know, we can certainly talk about the impact of the people with MACD. I think that's pretty, it's relatively straightforward. But I think that there's something else. I think by taking this approach of, of, of really, of literally support and connection and of treating people and their journey as much as the disease, I think we're also helping chart a model for better care more broadly. And I think once people recognize what it is to go through something with support and with connection and with knowledge, that's a model for, for everything right? It's a model, you know, all the way down to, you know, you know, kids who suffer or, you know, people in middle age or there's, there's all sorts of, I think, ways that we can learn from that effort. And so I think in addition to helping the people we help, I think we also can become an example or are an example for 
people managing other conditions. Well, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. No, it's a pleasure. And also for your commitment to the mission and the vision of the organization. Your leadership really matters, and I'm really happy that we get to share that for just a few minutes today with the rest of the world who's listening, because people need to know it. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. Here's a practical tip for living with macular degeneration. Learn to use your eyes more efficiently. Learn to use a more peripheral part of your retina to see more clearly. You know what that really means, Sean? And this is important because uh, MACD is a central vision disease. Right. So it's really the center, as our as our listeners know. You can train, you know, you see with your eyes, you see with your brain. So you can train yourself, believe it or not, folks, you can learn new tricks here. And that's the point of these uh, tips is you can train yourself to look through the peripheral part of your vision. So to the side or train yourself for your eyes to move to the side or move your head. So if you're speaking with someone or you're looking at something, you might want to reposition your body until you learn how to do it only with your eyes. So again, just like everything else, that takes practice. You really can teach yourself how to do it, as well as ears for eyes. Yeah, and Don, when you say ears for eyes, what what does that mean? Because I think that's a really powerful point. So tell our listeners what you mean by ears for eyes. It's pretty simple. I'm sure... Everyone out there listening, and even if 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 you're not listening, <laughs> uh, so ears for eyes means you know get books and magazines on tape. There's a incredible audio library available. There's all kinds of audio books available through uh, Amazon and iTunes and all that jazz. I'm sure folks out there are doing that, and also. There are gadgets out there like talking watches. A lot of people have trouble seeing their watch. They, you know, clocks, uh, talking scales, although I don't know that I would want to use one of those. But anyway, <laughs> uh, talking glucometers, you know, all kinds of things that use that text-to-speech technology. So that's really ears for eyes. And you can do that at any point of your vision loss, whether you've just started to lose your vision, you know, your eyes get tired. So use your ears. And Don, I've often thought about how fortunate we are in in the modern world that all these things are available to us. That's right. So everyone out there, remember ears for eyes and try to train yourself to use your peripheral vision. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back to My Mac D Life. My name is Mike Wood with the company Vespiro, and I have my favorite colleague, Bill Kilroy, here with me as well. Bill. Hey, glad to be back, Mike. I love the Mike and Bill show. Always it's always a fun, lot yes. of fun. So Bill Kilroy is the senior sales director of Northeast. Uh, so he's up in the New England area. And I'm strategic accounts manager for education. I kind of cover the U.S. for the education market. So Bill and I are both from a company called Vespero. That's V-I-S-P-E-R-O. It's the world's largest assistive tech company focused for the visually impaired. Many of you may know us by our former brands So that kind of formed together to be the Vespero company. Uh, It's Freedom Scientific, Enhanced Vision, Optelect, and we've got a services arm, which is called the Paciello Group. Uh, Make sure that your 
websites are compliant, things like that. We're going to talk a little bit today about some assistive technology. Many of you out there may or may not be aware of some of this technology, so that's what we're here for. And we're excited that Don has invited us to talk on my MACD Live. So AT is a piece of equipment that's going to help basically level the playing field for you, right? So everybody's got a tool belt of different tools that they want to use. And so some of the ones we're going to talk about will help you with your vision issues. Uh, so if you have any difficulties with seeing, some people might have difficulties with typing, writing, speaking, there's all sorts of different assistive technologies out there for you. So the product today we're going to chat about is the Omni Reader, which is by Freedom Scientific. So the Omni Reader is kind of a cool product. This uh, released, how long back would you say now, Bill, did we release the Omni Reader? The Omni Reader is a descendant of, a, of another product line, but the this version of the Omni Reader is, you know, brand new. Basically, it's within the last year uh, that we we brought it to market, and uh, I love what we've done to update the unit itself. I remember the older unit, and you know, the new one now is lighter, more portable. Obviously, with that weight cut down, and you know, the nice thing with this, so this product is basically a portable scanning and reading device, right? So this will take any text that you have and convert it to audio output. So if you're looking to read a newspaper, read your mail easily, just put that underneath this unit. And this unit has a built-in screen. So it's got a 10-inch screen on it. So if you want to see the material that you're reading, you can enlarge it. You can change the font uh, coloration. So if you need high contrast. And you can also uh, plug in your headset. So if you're in a public area, so say you take this to the library and you're going to be reading a book there. You can scan it in, have it read it out loud to you, plug in your headset so you're not disturbing anybody and getting yelled at by the librarian. It, they don't like that. No, right? No, I remember <laughs> back in the day when I would go to the library, yeah, I'd always be getting yelled at for talking too much. Um, so, you know, the other thing on this is the buttons were changed. You know, I, Joe McDaniel, another colleague of ours, and I did a webinar on this a couple months back, and I remember the feedback was great because you've got this one large button on the top. It's almost... Uh, like the, the buzzer on like a game show. And you quickly and easily tap that, and the unit does exactly what it's supposed to do. It just scans in the material for you and then starts reading it right away. You can customize the speed of the voice. Uh, again, like I said, you can customize the size of the font, the coloration of the font. It's got a built-in handle on the top, so it's very portable, lightweight, battery-powered. This thing weighs just over 3 pounds. It's like 3.3 pounds. And... You've got, like I mentioned earlier, the audio jack, or if you want to plug in external speakers, if you really want to have, you know, loud, booming audio. Uh, but I do want to say, I, I actually sold one of these to a good friend of mine that was having a hard time reading cookbooks. And, you know, I said to her, let's give it a try. You know, recipes are always difficult, right, when you're doing scanning and reading, because you've got columns, you've got the recipe ingredients. So I said, give it a whirl, see if it helps. She tried some other products on the market, she got the Omni Reader and she called me right up and she said, I love it. I want it. So I sent it to her for a trial. And about a couple of days later, she called and said, where do I send my check? And just goes to show the design of the scanning capability is spectacular. That built-in handle, again, it's just easy. You can take it with you, easy to travel. Doesn't take up much desk space either. So you can keep it up on your, your table. Yeah. The, the size of this reminds me of like the old all-in-one encyclopedias that were like, you know, two or three inches deep. And when you stood it on end, it would stand about, I don't know, um, 10, 12 inches high. 
And that's what this unit is like. I mean, the weight, it's, it's much lighter at three pounds. Yeah. When I think of something like the Omni Reader, I think of my aunt. And my aunt could have really benefited from a really good scanning and reading piece of technology like this because she did have a desktop video magnifier, but her macular degeneration got so bad that, you know, she could see certain things, but her functional vision wasn't good enough for reading. And she was struggling, you know, paying the bills. And this is a device that, you know, the Verizon bill comes in or the AT&T bill comes in. You just scan through it, you know, column by column and find out the total and, you know, set up your auto pay and boom, you're paying your bills. And, you know, I think that that's a great point. I remember a couple weeks back I was talking to a colleague of ours that was talking about how they use something like this. So, you know, think about the other thing I was going to say, the design you know, that they did. So this is really ergonomic because remember on the back of this unit, you've got two indentations. So if you were sitting in your chair, so you're sitting at home in your recliner and it sits nice and flat in your legs, it's got the grooves in there to sit on your legs, right? So it's comfortable, but you want to read your mail. You can scan in your documents, save it onto this unit, and then you can go down and sit at your recliner or at your table and look back over and be comfortable. So you can scan in a bunch of material, uh, whether it be mail, whether it be a magazine, and, you know, your portability, again, you take this wherever you want to go. You know, the unit itself here, it's basically its own guide. You place the print material right up against the unit, and it has the camera capability, can look down and see, you know, that full 8.5 by 11 sized document. Yep. Whether it's one side of a magazine or actually you can catch two sides of a, you know, small print novel and capture that information. And again, the technology today is so rapid with these high megapixel cameras that, you know, snaps it and within probably 20 seconds, you're reading. You know, the functionality and the versatility is great. And just like some other devices that we've talked about with OCR, multilingual capability when it comes to speech recognition. So, I mean, I can just run through some of the languages here. Obviously, English Danish, Dutch, French, German, Portuguese, Russian, Spanish, Czech, Finnish, Hungarian, Italian, Norwegian, Polish, Slovak, Swedish, Turkish. I mean, male, female voices and all yeah. of those things. So there's a lot of people that are multilingual and they still get documents in the old native language that they want to be able to scan in and hear spoken authentically. And that's what these speech engines can do in a product like OmniReader. Yeah, I also think it's kind of fun because in the English language, you've got American accent, Australian accent, British and Indian. So um, I know with some of the customers that I've worked with them in the past, if they're reading, you know, say Harry Potter or, you know, Sherlock Holmes, it's kind of fun. You can switch it over to the British accent and it just makes it feel that much more authentic. So you can have fun with them. And, you know, this unit has a two-year warranty. And I think, you know, one of the things I would like to mention is just the robustness of our products. You know, they're made to be solid and to last a long time for you. And that's another great thing with, uh, with Freedom Scientific products. I agree. I mean, again, we, we say it every time. It's, it's the functionality combined with the durability. And particularly these products that, that are traveling with the user. Um, What's our mantra, Mike? If, if you take good care of uh, it, it will take good care of you. you and um, that's how you measure a lot of these devices is the functionality and how well it can uh, stand up over time. And, and I will say that, you know, Vispero and, and all the brands, Freedom Scientific, Optilec, 
enhanced vision, all of us manufacturing these devices, excellent track record in the field. And that's, that's you know, what uh, I think why people seek us out half the time. Hey, you know, Bill, I'm sure everyone out there is asking, they're like, hey, how can I get one of these and what's this going to cost me, right? So the uh, retail price on the Omni Reader is $2,495. Mike, if you want to learn more, what do we tell people? We direct them to vispero.com, www.visperro.com. You can link to all the pages from Freedom Scientific, Enhanced Vision, and Optelec. If you just want to go to Freedom Scientific and, and see the Omni Reader, go to www.freedomscientific.com. Find the um, low vision product link and choose Omni Reader. Yes, absolutely. And I know uh, we're probably going to be doing some live demos of that coming up soon too. So I would uh, recommend if you do go to vispero.com, uh, sign up for you know the newsletters to see what's happening and some of our live demos. And then of course, always check out mymacdlife.org uh, to see what we've got going on there. It's a great partnership that we're working here on the uh, podcasts as well. My Mac D Life was created by the Support Site Foundation to serve the macular degeneration community. This award-winning educational podcast is one of a kind and is an innovative way to strengthen and empower people who are living with Mac D. My Mac D Life is made possible by generous tax-deductible donations from people like you. To donate today, visit mymacdlife.org forward slash donate. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We're really glad you're here. Please come back. Yeah, it's definitely a privilege and a pleasure. And remember, for more information, please go to mymacdlife.org. We have all sorts of resources and info there for patients who have MACD and their families. And remember to join us next time on My MACD Life. Thanks for being with us on My MACD Life, the podcast with a vision to bring hope, optimism, perspective, and education to our listeners. For more information and many great, incredible resources, visit mymacdlife.org. This program is supported by amazing listeners like you. During the season of giving, please consider a donation to keep our mission moving forward. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, keep living with hope.